Welcome to the Imposture to Unstoppable podcast, where physicians can learn how to overcome imposter syndrome and create the career of their dreams. Kate Mangona began practicing as a board-certified pediatric radiologist in 2015. She is a supportive physician's wife and mother to three little girls and a mini poodle. She and her husband, Victor, who is a pediatric radiation oncologist and tax code enthusiast, are active and passive real estate investors in over 3,000 multifamily units and a single family rentals, including luxury Airbnb. She also hosts the Medicine, Marriage, and Money podcast and leads the Medicine, Marriage, and Money coaching program, where she helps married women physicians with children spend less time arguing with their spouse and more time reigniting their spark. Enjoy our conversation. Hi, Kate. Thank you for being here today. It's so good to have you. Thank you, Kristen, for inviting me. My pleasure. So you do a lot of amazing things, which I spoke about in the bio at the beginning of the episode. So do you mind talking about where self-doubt or imposter syndrome has come up for you the most? Oh my gosh. My whole life up until (laughs) I would say until maybe about five years ago, for sure. Like I think I always, first of all, as an only child, I started in third grade. As a, and I was an only child and we had, we moved frequently because my mo- my father went to medical school and then re- did internship and residency in different places while I was young. And so we were always moving. And then we finally moved into this, um, like a little bit, I, I feel like it was like an uppity County <laughs> in, in, um, Johnson County, Kansas. And, and I just didn't feel like I fit in, you know, I, I, and I didn't have many friends and I just felt like I was behind at life as a third grader. My mom would say, Hey, do you want to sign up for soccer? Do you want to sign up for ballet? Do you want to sign up? I'm like, no, 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 no. I can't do any of that. Everybody else has been doing it since kindergarten. So that's when it all started. Okay. And then like fast forward to, um, you know, high school still like as an only child, I was like, well, everybody else has like older siblings or they're, they have friends who have older siblings and my best friend, you know, we were only children together and they are like, they knew what to, how to get the tutor or what kind of um, questions to prep for, for the SAT preps, like things I never even knew about until I felt like it was too late. And my parents, they weren't, um, they weren't tiger parents. They weren't helicopter parents. Like I went to high school, I did all my work when I came home and they never said anything. And like, if I got to be, you know, I was the one crying and they were like, what, what's going on? You know, <laughs> like, I felt like I had to be my own parents, even though they're wonderful parents, wonderful parents, but I always felt like I was behind at life. And then even in med school, I felt like I was going to fail if I didn't study 24 seven and then residency. Oh my gosh. It hit me so hard in residency because I had never felt like I didn't belong like high school, med school. Yes. I knew I was there and I could get really good grades. Um, if I studied really hard, but once I got to residency, I felt like everybody else in my class, I was in a class of 10 people in a residency of 40 people. Um, and I did radiology residency. I just felt like this must've been a mistake. And I didn't know that people, other people were thinking this, like, because right. People started talking about this. I don't know, the last five years when this was, I I started residency in 2009. Um, So I just was honestly, and we had to take a lot of in radiology residency. We do a lot of hot seat conferences. That's like over half of our conferences or maybe 75%. So we sit there and we have to take a case and I would just, maybe it was normal for everybody, but I would turn red. I would sweat. I would like dread taking hot seat cases. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, as soon as I open my mouth, like everybody's going to find out. And like, I don't know how the person before me took that case. And I don't know how the, the next, the person next, like they were just seemed so brilliant to me. So yes. So I had that problem my whole life. And then finally as an attending, I would say 
three years in, I, I calmed down. Like, and it took me a few years because when I was in attending, I was working with very, very smart residents, you know, and I was a little bit younger than them because I graduated. I went to a six-year medical program. So right out of high school. So I was mm-hmm. a couple years younger than everybody else, like in my uh, residency and fellowship. And then once I became attending, so I still felt like they were my peers or a little bit above, above me. Mm-hmm. So and I think I don't, I don't never even actually thought about this until just now, but do you, was it because I like caught up in age and then finally they started being like younger than me. And so I started looking at them differently maybe. And I've always been like intimidated by like my same age peers. That may be a thing because when I was little, I did always kind of gravitate towards younger people, like babysitting the kid the mm-hmm. or going to volunteer at like senior communities. But then the peer to peer connection, I was always a little bit intimidated by Maybe that's normal, but yeah. So my whole life until I would say about four years ago, four or five years ago, when I settled into being attending, I was like, okay, I got this. Like I can read these studies. I know when to ask for help. I know when I could do things on my own and, um, and just being, being normalized, like having this feeling being normalized also, right? Like I started listening to podcasts, hanging out with like-minded people, um, Mm -hmm. who inspire and motivate and, and just started really developing and then had my own children. Oh my gosh. And then I think my confidence, my confidence blew up too, after having to really (laughs) take care of other little people. Yeah. I've, I can definitely relate to you with that one. You're like, Oh, okay. I think I can do this motherhood thing. And you're like, wow, this is not (laughs) what I expected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I I would like to just say, as I was listening to you about the being behind thing, I feel like that must relate to your thing about being younger in age, right? Because if your whole life you felt like you were behind and you didn't have an older sibling to look up to, to give you that mentorship. And that was something that even as a child was important to you, it makes sense that your brain would offer those thoughts to you, even as an adult where you're still behind and it's because you're not old enough yet. And so it's so interesting how we hang on to those beliefs until who knows, like until they eventually expire or we figure out how how to rework them. But I, I wonder if that was a, if that was a link for you, you know, I never even thought about it until now, but you're like, yes, I just feel like I had to be in charge of my future. And I know I am in charge of my future, but like just knowing what was up coming up ahead and like, you know, it's like wanting that certainty and never, nobody ever really has that certainty. Right. But I thought that other people did. That's the thing. Yeah. Other people had that certainty because they had either parents who were to- totally on top of everything, like the class mom or, you know, they're volunteering mm-hmm. all the time. So they knew the connections and they knew what to do, or they just had the siblings, you know, to, to feed off of. Yeah. It's really true. I think that that skill of learning to trust yourself and, um, the recognition that really you, you can handle things, right? No matter what, and you don't need someone to show you the way because your path is meant to be different than other people's. But I really, I mean, as a child, I didn't learn that. I was never like explicitly told, like, you can trust yourself. It was always, especially as a kid. And then as a medical student, it was like, you don't know anything, you don't want to kill anyone. And then you go to residency, it's the same thing. It's like, so no wonder we're constantly as human beings and doctors, like we get to be attending and we're still kind of like, well, do I, can I trust myself? I don't know. I never have been able to for the last 30 years of my life. So what's different now? Right. 
Yeah. No, for sure. But you're, but, but yeah. And that thing that trust in yourself, like, I think my parents did give me a lot of independence and I thought maybe they shouldn't cap, you know, they should have held my hand more or something, you know, yeah. but so it kind of like goes both ways. Like it was in a way it was good, but I didn't perceive it as good until later on. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so funny. Right. And, and it's hot. And we can tie in the whole parenting thing. Right. Because there's so many things we try to do as parents and we think it's going to be perceived a certain way. And then we have no control over how our kids see it. Right. It's so fascinating, which is why, like, you know, I just, I have money set aside for the therapy my kids will need be based on my parenting. And I think that's just, it is what it is. I, you just, cause it's nature and nurture, right? Like my kids, have different settings, you know, have different default settings and energies than I do. And, um, yeah, I don't know how to rectify that except for just to real, like do your best. And then as adults, you kind of regroup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you grow up again. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I need to yeah. set some money aside for their coaching. Yeah. Later in life. Exactly. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Therapy and coaching, maybe some mentorship. It's all. <laughs> So speaking of coaching, tell me when that started for you, like when you went in your um, professional career, that came up as something that you wanted to do. So it all happened around the pandemic when I was like searching for, for a connection, more human connection. And I started um, also, I wanted um, help. Like I was show, not showing up as the wife I wanted to be. And as the mother I wanted to be. And sometimes even as the friend I wanted to be in my own relationships. And I just felt, I felt like something was wrong. And so I started, um, joining different groups, uh, women physician groups. And I just realized one of the groups in particular I joined was talking about creating value, mm-hmm. creating value and how you're going to create value into the world. And I had stopped well after medical school and, you know, being residency for several, I mean, um, attending ship, I think for, for, was it like four, four or five years up until that point, I had never really continued to grow anymore besides, you know, the CME, things like that. I had, you know, I became a certified yoga teacher when I first became an attending, but then it just kind of stopped. And I was like, that's what's missing for my life is I don't feel like I'm creating enough value. And the light bulb just went off. Like when I saw that PowerPoint slide show up and she was talking about creating that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was already on my own relationship journey of figuring out how other people with young children in their first uh, five to 10 years of attending ship uh, and, you know, having a house, how they were doing it. I want to know what are the structures they put into place so that they could raise their children. They could be you know, the career driven the way they want to be. And then also still show up for their friends and themselves. Like how are other people doing it? And so while I was thinking about that and reaching out to my network, uh, I was like, you know, what would be so cool is if I could just interview all those people, not only for myself, but then share that with everybody else, mm-hmm. because I feel like there's hidden secrets and there are people on social media. Like, you know, I, I, I show up a lot on Instagram and Facebook, and then you, you see those other people that you like, like I look up to like so those certain women physicians that are there even more than me and like always inspiring and motivating us to do more. I'm like, they are doing something right. And like, I know I'm not seeing their whole life on Instagram or Facebook, but their mindset, like I, I just, I glommed onto their mindset. Like they've got a really um, positive mindset. I'm like, I've got to figure out what they're doing right in life um, and wh- to get the results they're getting. And so I started at reaching out and saying, Hey, 
okay, so I've decided I'm going to create this podcast. I'm interviewing um, physician couples or one of, if one of you guys are a physician, power couple, any power couples that I considered a power couple in my life, you know, and I just want to share it with the world. Like people want to know your secrets. And a lot of people are like, well, the first couple of people I asked were like, well, yeah, of course, but you know, I don't have any secrets. You know, people don't want to hear mm-hmm. me talk. I'm like, no, people really do. And so then I just started interviewing them and that was, that's where it started. So then I knew I wanted to create a podcast to create value in the world when it came to medicine and relationships. Mm-hmm. And then I had a couple of people ask me, okay, well, Kate, are you going to think about this as a hobby or a business? Is this mm-hmm. going to be an expensive hobby? You know, because you're going to, because I hired a VA to help me edit. Cause I wanted to do, cause I was a 20 hour edit per podcast girl, yeah. you know? So I had an editor, yeah. I got the platform. <laughs> so like it was costing me some money to produce these podcasts and I was like, okay, I guess if I want to create a business, I got to find something else I'm passionate about to go along with it. And then I'm like, and then a lot of people who I surround myself were, were changing, who were changing my life were coaches. So I was like, mm-hmm. well, naturally that's what I want to do too, because of how much it affected me. And, and then it's kind of like something I already do as a, a, a teacher, you know, I, I teach the residents and the fellows and I do tend to coach them actually already on finances because my husband talks about it so much to me that it's like, that's what I want to talk about when I go to work. So see, mm-hmm. I like, it helps a lot of things in my mind and then, you know, pay it forward. So then I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to coach school. And I talked to a couple of friends and should I go to school or not? And like, I just like, okay, I'm going to go. And, and, and it, things just, I just love it, you know? And then you start coaching people and you start watching their results and how they create podcasts or stop fighting with their spouses as much as they did. Or like, just think of things in just a different way before they were stuck. And then the, now they're not stuck anymore. And then they, you know, of course they always find new things to work on. But so that's kind of like where my whole journey started. It was never, I never knew. I, it was mm-hmm. all about how to create more value. And, and because somebody, you know, one of the coaches I was using told that to me, or I was, you know, I would, I had hired, had told me that I had never thought of it that way in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's a very, um, that's, that's something that's always helped me. And really, even as far as like, when I'm in like a self-doubt spiral and I'm in this comparison, you know, world, I always go back to the value. So I love that you brought that up because I think even if you're someone who right now is like so full of self-doubt, they don't think like you're just in a bad place. I think that even there we can recognize as human beings, like when we really are honest with ourselves that we know something or can provide value to someone in some way. And I think that we don't oftentimes think of it because we're in survival mode or we're so busy or we're trying to, you know, just get through the day. But I think when you really sit down and say, how, how I can, who can I offer value to, or how can I offer value? Every single human being can answer that question. And it's really can be life-changing just as you mentioned, it's, it's a, it's a simple question and, but it got you to a place where you wanted to take action. Right. And same thing for me. And then another thing that you said that I love is just, you have laid out your journey in such a way that you didn't know the end result. All you knew was the next thing. I want to create value. Okay. How can I do that? Okay. I'm going to interview people and make a podcast, right? It's not like you were like, I'm not going to get started until I know what the end result is, right? That's what holds us back as physicians, because we feel this tug or like, 
I want something more. I want to grow, which is really that stuck feeling is really, you want growth. But then since we don't know the end result, we won't even start. So I love your example of this because it's so profound that really just start and things will like unfold for you as they're meant to. Yeah. No. And, and, and that growth, like that, that contribution, like I had already watched my husband, you know, like teach so much uh, to other physicians or other high incoming, high income earning professionals about finance. Like he'd been doing that for years and I had been, I had been cheering him on, like looking up to that passion and I'm like, wow, he is really contributing. How can I do that too in my own way? And I always felt right. Like, well, I have to be as smart as him or know as much as him in order to do that next step. But then the more I looked at him, I'm like, you know what? He just, he will teach whatever he learned that same day. He'll like delve into like five articles or 10 articles and then he'll go on to his Facebook group or YouTube and he'll just teach what he just learned. And, and yeah, that was holding me back all of med school and residencies, I didn't want to mm-hmm. teach the class below me because I felt like, well, I'm not ready yet. And you mm-hmm. really are. If you're just one foot ahead of somebody, yeah. you're ready. Yeah, exactly. I love that you said that. You're, And I think what we do is we think, since we're not expert level yet, who, who, like who do, we, who, who do we think we are to be teaching? But if you think about all the people behind you who need just like that motivation or the example, who are who would be too intimidated to learn from an expert, they just want to learn from someone who's like them, who's made that transition and is once, you know what I mean? Like one step ahead of them is I think it's for many people, it's less intimidating and more beneficial to learn from someone who's just down the road from you instead of someone who's in the next town or neighborhood. Yeah. Well, I can't, we are almost about to wrap things up here, but I would love to end with um, your advice on when you are, when you do have those moments of self-doubt, either, either personally or professionally, what's been the most helpful thing for you to do to kind of get out of that place and back into, um, you know, feeling motivated to take action? Oh my gosh. Well, coaching hundred percent. I mean, I yeah. get coaching twice a week, at least twice a week, uh, once in my life and once in my business. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when, and if I don't have a session lined up for that day, or uh, for the next day, and I am feeling really stuck, then I try to listen to an inspirational podcast. Um, and if I'm not, if I'm not in the right mood to do that, then I will just turn on some music and move my body. So I feel like if I want to sit there and stay there and stay upset and stuck or irritated or annoyed or whatever, my family, my business, whatever's going on, I can, you know, and sometimes I do, mm-hmm. but when I decide like, I just don't want to be in that place anymore. Um, I will turn on a, a uh, I just will search. Okay. Which podcast do you want to listen to today or audiobook? right? I've got several mm-hmm. audiobooks that people are always kind of uh, spinning out on, on Facebook and my Facebook groups, like, Hey, which ones to read next to really inspire um, or music, you know, but then, but I would say the thing that really helps me see things from different perspective, because you can only do so much when like you're reading or listening to a podcast, it does help. But if you want like individual specific, you want somebody to guide your thoughts without coaching. I mean, I couldn't go talk to my friends about this. I couldn't, mm-hmm. not, not all of my friends, right? Because they don't, they may not be on the same path I am at. Or my parents might just tell me, why are you, you know, 
why, why are you doing this? Or, or I'm so proud of you, Kate, look at what you've come, you know, I'm like, no, that's not what I need right now. But so maybe it is, I don't know. And then like my husband, he just be like, stare at me blankly sometimes, <laughs> you know, because he really wants to listen, right? He really wants to listen and be there, but he's like, I don't want to say anything wrong. Yeah. Because, you know, I might attack him or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yes. So that a hundred percent coaching and then, um, changing my mindset by listening to podcasts, audiobooks, and music. Yeah. And I think one thing that you said too, that I'll just highlight is that sometimes you just let yourself be there. And that's a really powerful thing too, because it's always a choice. And sometimes you just want to be in a bad mood and don't judge yourself for it. Just like allow it to be there. And then I think you get over it faster instead of then judging yourself that you're cranky and then you're more cranky. So that's yeah. good advice. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. So I did talk about your podcast and everything at the beginning, but do you mind telling people where they can find you on Facebook in your Facebook group? Sure. So medicine, marriage, and money, and people always get the order mixed up. So medicine, because <laughs> I became a doctor first marriage, because then I got married and then money, because then I started making money. Then we became attending to start making. So medicine, marriage, and money. That is my Facebook group. Medicine, marriage, and money.com is my website and medicine, marriage, and money, um, is my podcast. So you can, you know, listen to my free podcast. I've also got a medical marriage survival guide uh, that you can download on my website for, um, for physicians in love. So to get some actionable steps of how to, you know, stay in love and work on things in life. So that is me. Come follow love me. It. And I'd love to yeah, reach out to me. If you have any questions. Awesome. Yeah. And follow me. Is it medicine, marriage, and money on Instagram as oh, well? Instagram too. Yep. At medicine okay. and money. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Kristen.